With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're talking about National Signing Day, some movement around the roster. We'll look at the transfer portal and give our thoughts about that, and we'll be joined by Brian Brown from Mute Zone, and then finish it off with a little basketball. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. Hey, it's good to be here. How are we doing? We're doing great. It's great to get together with you guys and record this episode. Signing Day's come and gone. Very exciting day, and it ended with Jordan Wilmore signing. There was a lot of excitement, drama with that. Is he going to ASU? Is he going to Utah? Yeah, that was that was a story a right? in and of itself. It was, and then the the best part of not only that, and then on Twitter you saw the coaches watching it live. It was it was a fun day. It was a fun day, and it was capped off by an incredible sports beat Sunday last night. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that one didn't go our way, nor, nor did it go KSL's way. But, um, but you know, it is what it is. So great class overall for the guys that we got, those that we didn't get. In the, in the famous words of Kyle Whittingham, all in or in the way. So, Puka, best of luck look, to you. Look forward to seeing you for, the, for the, a chance to go to the Rose Bowl. Do you guys think it hurts Utah that they didn't get Puka? Oh, I think it hurts for sure. I mean, just because he's a talented, would have been probably the best wide receiver recruit we ever would have gotten at the at the University of Utah. So I think it hurts, but it's it, by no means. I, do I think it's a, a class killer by any means? Well, I think a lot of Utah fans going in kind of expected that to happen. Um, so I don't think it takes away anything uh, from yeah. from signing day. We we all expected it, but all us crazies were watching. Just in sports case. beat last <laughs> night, hanging on every word coming out of their mouths. So the day ended with Jordan Wilmore, but it started with one of the higher ranked uh, signees with Bam. I'm not even going to attempt to say his name because everyone knows I can't pronounce. Bamadeli Olaseni. Sure, we'll go with that. Or as his friends call him, Bam Bam Tunican. <laughs> Where did you? <laughs> is that on Twitter? Did his friends hit tweet that out? It's just, it's just the, it's a, it's a known, it's a known name amongst amongst his friends. So Bam didn't play high school ball, but he has some JC experience coming in, and I think he has a real shot at competing for a starting position. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm 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 interested to get uh, um, Brian uh, Brian Brown's uh, opinion on him because, yeah, by all means, he he is one of the the kind of the keystones of this class. Him and and Jordan Wilmore. Obviously, you know, Bam is going to be a guy. I think you're going to see get in that rotation right off the bat and 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 earn some playing time. Just, I mean, you look at him; he's six eight, three thirty. He is a huge individual, and so uh, whether the technique is ready for for Pac twelve level level uh, football, that's going to be up to uh, up uh, the question that's got to be answered here. But 
but he's got the size that I think can uh, can overshadow maybe uh, some of the growing pains that and, and technique that he's still got to develop a little bit. So I know a lot of people with Bam are comparing him to Garrett Bowles because Garrett came in as a, a JC guy, didn't play in high school. So it'll be interesting to see kind of if he can play that level, but I don't think it's fair to compare him to, to Garrett Bowles. I don't think it is either because we don't even know if he holds like Garrett Bowles yet. N- not many do. <laughs> Obviously, you know, you fans are hopeful he can have the same type of impact that Garrett Bowles can have, but, or that Garrett Bowles had, but I'm not sure you're going to see that right off the bat. I think it's going to take some time, but but he, who knows, he may, he may have a higher ceiling when all is said and done, so we'll just have to wait and see how that transpires. But huge get to... Uh, um, on signing day for Utah for really a class that was having some struggles closing. Getting Bam and, and closing with Wilmore really, I think, helped uh, settle the class in and appease a lot of the fan base who was getting a little frustrated with all the misses. So obviously, Will, Jordan Wilmore is probably, uh, if not one of the headliners of this class, four-star running back, extremely talented. But he's also coming into a depth chart at the running back position that's got Zach Moss who's going to get all the carries he can handle. And then behind Zach Moss, some unproven guys, some questions on some guys, but you got Devontae Henry Cole coming off a red shirt. You got Eric, um, you got Armand Shine, you got TJ Green, you got uh, um, Devin Brumfield. And now you've just signed also um, Mika Bernard or Micah Bernard in this class along and, and Wilmore. So you've got depth for days at the running back position. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, I, I've already seen some people put out there that Wilmore could be the backup when all is said and done. Um, I would suspect we're probably going to see some transfers. The question is, Who's likely to transfer of that group? Because there's going to be some guys that want playing time. They're not going to get it here. Shine's the first one out, in my opinion. I mean, I mean Shine's getting to his senior year, right? And and you may see that. I mean, Kyle Whittingham's alluded to it. Uh, come uh, comes at the end of spring ball, you're going to get the next ba- uh, batch of transfers. And maybe a guy like Shine um, looks for that opportunity elsewhere to go and uh, play for a program that doesn't put blinders on. Scott, that's an interesting point that you bring up the transfers out of the running back position. Like what you said with Winningham, we could see across the board with different positions and even Utah continuing um, to take players out of there. I know Morgan Scally spoke today about how they're still looking at maybe getting more linebackers and going the transfer portal um, system through that. Well, I mean, but Kyle even said that they've, they've held some spots open. And then come spring ball... You may have three three additional spots available of guys that decide, you know, they're too far down the depth chart and they're going to transfer out. So, you, I mean, all of a sudden you may have two spots available now and you may end up with five, six, seven spots by the end of spring. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how Utah um, uses this uh, new transfer portal. But so far, so good with what they brought in. And so I kind of want to talk about that transfer portal. Scott, you and I had a discussion on, on Twitter who knows what Ryan was doing? Probably working while we were goofing off. Probably. But I kind of want to talk about because right now it kind of seems like it's almost starting to get to the Wild West of this thing. And, and I kind of think there needs to be a little bit more more rules with it. And they need to, I think, change rules with, with transferring. Yeah, I mean, right, it is a bit of the Wild West because essentially anybody that's unhappy with where they sit on the depth chart, promises that have been broken... 
through the recruiting process. And once they get on campus, they realize what they were told is a bunch of BS. And, you know, they don't have any playing time in their future. They're jumping in this portal. And I, I think as time goes on, give it another year. And I think this thing's going to blow up. I think, I think to an extent, a lot of athletes are still filling this out, seeing how it's going to work before they actually jump into it. And not that there's a penalty in jumping into it, because just because you declare yourself uh, and put yourself in the transfer portal, you can pull back out and state your school. But I think you're going to see probably, unless the NCAA kind of regulates this a little bit better and, and puts some rules in place. What are the chances of that happening? Bingo. Exactly. It's not going to happen. I think that's why it's going to get worse, is you're just going to have, you're going to have, it's going to be free agency in college football. And that's where that's where our discussion went is is having set dates on when you can put your name in there or when you have to pull your name out. Uh, those those certain dates. I know we kind of talked about having maybe two dates a year that you can do that. Another thing that I think is kind of getting ever hand getting out of hand is the waivers to play immediately. Well, I mean, if it's basically coming down to if you play for a big time school, you're going to get a waiver. And the, the NCAA is so afraid of like upsetting big-time institutions that they just let them run amok. They let them do whatever they want because they don't want to get pushed aside. The NCAA does not want to get pushed aside and have another operating body form and start running college football. And so they let, they let so to say, the prisoners run this place. I mean, you, you look at it with, with this uh, recruiting, sc- <laughs> recruiting scandal in basketball – and who knows what's going to come out of that. But it's across to all sports, really, the, the big-name teams, the Blue Bloods, they, they get away with it. And it'll be interesting to see. I know Utah looks like they're uh, putting in a waiver on Cam Rising for, to make him eligible, which would give him four, to f- four years of eligibility um, starting next year. So it's basically like a freshman. And which would be huge. The question is, does he, does he get it along with all these other guys that are currently getting it? And see, and that's the thing where I have a problem with this is there's just, it's just a, a group of people that are calling the shots. And like what you said, why do they allow someone at Ohio State get it, but someone at San Diego State not get it? And that's where I think I, I'm always going to support the, the kids and the players. I say make everyone eligible. And if they enroll at a certain date, make them miss the first four games, and then after that they can play the rest of the season. The question is, how, how do you see this playing at Utah? You know, there's been a lot of talk out there that this is, the, the portal is going to benefit Utah. Programs like Utah who have cultures, who have good situations, where they can go in and instead of relying on a number of JC kids in every recruiting class, they're just going to rely on the portal now. And I agree to an extent on that. My question is, sure, when you get a, a Manny Bowen and you get a Cam Rising through the portal, yeah, it looks great. But what happens if you lose a Solomon Enos next year to the portal? Or um, well, look at, at Devontae Jack, Henry Cole. or Utah lost a, ja- a Jack Tuttle yeah, I mean, and everything exactly. exploded. Exactly. And so there's going to be years where we benefit, but I think there's also going to be some years where – you're going to lose guys, um, even maybe some important guys that just are not happy with the situation or, or whatever the circumstances are. Well, and maybe that's where this approach that Winningham is taking by giving themselves wiggle room to be able to get guys out of there 
help with that. Because if you look at the Jack Tuttle situation, everyone was saying, well, they don't have a quarterback in this class now. Jack Tuttle leaves. Uh, JT Daniels picks uh, signs with the ASU over Utah. And everyone was like, y- Utah doesn't have a quarterback in this class at all. And now they're going to go two classes without a quarterback. You bring in Cam Rising, and that completely changes everything. It's a completely 180. And so I think the way Winningham is taking this approach is phenomenal. Having that wiggle room so when the guys are available in there, you can sell your program to those high-ranking star guys that overlooked Utah yeah, in years and, past. And, you know, there's still rumors out there. There could be some SEC-type linemen who could join the class or join the, the team next year, transfer over. Um, some linebacking prospects, maybe even a wide receiver prospect that could still uh, potentially come in and transfer in and, and pl- be eligible for, for next year. So there's still some guys that we maybe don't even know about um, and have and don't know their names that could be pretty impact players next year on this team. So it's exciting in that sense that you have just kind of this extra layer of uh, potential excitement. Um, but again... It's excitement one day, <laughs> it may be hurting you the next. So yeah, I mean, until until it either gets completely out of control or regulations are put on it, Utah's doing the right thing, and they and they're they're going to take advantage. They're in a great position to take advantage of the transfer portal because you got these highly recruited athletes from these bigger schools like Texas and Cam Rising, for example. Texas does. I don't think Texas necessarily cares when they lose a guy like that because Texas can take yeah, just gonna get reload. anybody they want. They're going to reload. When you've got a Utah who struggles to get those four star guys who can jump into the sport, and you're right, it'll it'll it could backfire in some aspects. But when you look, and and it might it, look at the running backs. There's entering spring ball. There's six guys in the running back position that have seen playing time at one time or another in this program. Yeah. And then And and you you already know 80 85% of the snaps are going to Moss. So it I, at least two of those guys are leaving. But that's why you build that depth. For sure. And and you can afford when you're that deep at a position, you can afford some losses and it's not going to it's it's not going to hurt you because you've still got so many weapons and 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 great depth there. My question is this: Let's say Cam Rising goes out, and and he gets he gets the the waiver, and he's eligible to play next year. Spring ball happens. What if Cam goes out and probably doesn't beat out Huntley? But if he earns the backup position, Jason Shelley come end of spring could say, "Look, I don't want to be third string. I've proven I could play at this level." He puts himself in the transfer portal. That's when the coaches go, "We're not put. We're not assigning the." depth chart until fall camp this is wide open they're not they're not gonna they're not True. gonna shoot but themselves because coach, the coach, coaches will do that they kind yeah, of sandback is right i mean oh for sure we've, we've seen coaches but, hold kids back from classes so they can't graduate early well sure but but players know right whether whether a coach has told you you're second or third string oftentimes you kind of know where you lie the number of reps you're getting versus the other guys your performance based off of their performance all i'm saying is we're in a better position now at the quarterback position, but give it a month or two, and all of a sudden we lose one of those guys, and we're left scrambling again. Mm-hmm. And so things can look pretty solid. Things can look pretty good one day, <laughs> and it can it can change pretty quick. Well, that's what I said. Like 
to my argument before, you look at the Jack Tuttle situation, the sky was falling, Cam Rising comes in, and no pun intended, but everything's rising, right? Oh, that was deep. That's deep what thoughts. I, that's what I do around here. By Cam Brown. Okay, but then, so let's say they go through, and maybe he does outplay Shelly, and he's the number two guy going into fall. Shelly transfers. There's there's going to be the same situation at other schools. There's going to be quarterbacks transferring. You're going to have an opportunity to go out there and pick up somebody else. Well, and, and my hope is that we still go get whether even if we keep all three of these quarterbacks, I hope that we can go find a fourth guy in uh, after spring ball just for depth purposes and and get another guy in this program so we'll see if we'll see if that's the route that uh, they choose to go but yeah it's it definitely adds an extra layer of kind of fireworks and some some excitement uh, around this so as we talk about kind of players transferring there has been some movement uh, that Kyle Winningham announced this past week on ESPN 700 uh, he discussed uh, something that we talked about uh, on our last episode is moving Julian Blackman to safety and moving Bronson good Boyd good um, over to corner. I like it and I don't like it. I like it because he's fast. Who? He, Blackman. I like it because he's fast and I like it because he's a good cover guy. I don't Sometimes. like it because he's not a great tackler. Well, I wouldn't say he's not a... Well... He's had his misses. There's no doubt about that. My question is, does he have and and obviously the coaches wouldn't make the move unless they thought he could play the position. But he's not a real big guy, and if he's going to be playing, uh, um, you know, that safety safety position, you're not you're not going to get the Marquise Blair hits out of out of out of out of him. No. So. I think it'll be a good move because he struggled at times. There's there's no doubt about it. And he was not happy to hear those criticisms last year. But there, he struggled. He was and, injured for and, to and, his and, credit. And but. whether that was, in, you know, based off the injuries or whatever the reason was, you know, he, he, didn't, he, he had his games where he struggled and, and, and wasn't getting the job done. So this may be a good move for him to to – Kind of wipe away those bad memories at the corner position. Just go pl- go learn a new position and and just continue to make plays. I like that. I I, I like the Bronson Boyd move because he wasn't going to get playing time anyways at the wide receiver position. If 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 he couldn't crack the rotation last year, I, I don't see it happening this year. So I think it's a good move. And if he's he's that athletic. Take a chance on it. You might as well. He's probably not going to turn into a Sean Smith type player, but uh, it doesn't hurt to give it a shot and see that if he can turn into something. We've been waiting on T Boney, uh, Tyrone Smith, for how many years since that freshman year he played wide receiver? We've been waiting for that transition because he had that body that was Sean Smith like, and he just can't stay healthy. He can't get on the field. He kind of has not been able to live up to what the coaches wanted out of him on that switch. So, um, but you got to keep trying it, and uh, you're probably one of these times again. You're gonna hit. Uh, you're gonna hit Pater. All right. So it does look like we have Brian on the phone. Before we bring him on, let's you know that interview is brought to you by Double Tree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City downtown. They're located at one ten West, six hundred South. Give them a call at 801-359-7800. You can always check them out online at Hilton.com. 
All right, join us on the phone now is Brian Brown from UteZone.com, as well as UteZone Radio on ESPN 700. Brian, thanks for jumping on and talking with us. Thanks for having me back. I, I keep trying to get myself kicked off of this podcast, <laughs> and you guys are just the most forgiving people on the planet. <laughs> Well, let's let's see a, a little colorful language. Why don't we're just gonna let you go rampant tonight? <laughs> Cam's just believing me at about an hour together, huh? <laughs> All right, buddy. So signing days come and gone. In your opinion, do you think Utah has hit everything they needed to as far as filling needs and positions? Ooh. Yes and no. So I think the positions of need, they've done a really good job of filling. Uh, I will say no because there are prospects out there that I think they should have landed but did not. Um, you know, they, they're, Utah still has never really pulled in a consistent blue chip recruit at wide receiver. You know, Solomon Yunus was a great get last year. They could not transition that over this year. Uh, Darren Jones is committed. He did not sign, and his status, frankly, right now is is just dependent upon how he finishes out the school year. If, if he can finish strong and make it through the NCAA clearinghouse, then you know he'll he'll still sign with Utah, and, and I believe that they're holding a position open. Um, where I think things really change in that response is that technically recruiting is not over yet because there's still options in, in terms of who's available in the transfer portal. And so that will be ongoing throughout the end of the semester and in the summer. But uh, in terms of signing day prospects and high school prospects, I think Utah and, and transfers in terms of junior college prospects, I think Utah did a really good job of fulfilling their needs. I uh, wish they would have gotten a quarterback and I wish they would have gotten a blue chip wide receiver, but everything else looked really, really good. So Brian and Jordan Wilmore gets a lot of the attention in this recruiting class, just Due to the fact how highly recruited he was, the stories leading up to uh, to signing day, he was coming, then he wasn't, and he ends up signing. Uh, but he plays a position that you know we're we're pretty stacked out of the running back position overall throughout this class. Which which recruit is is the most important for this class that can make an immediate impact? I, I, he just steals stuff from Steve, but that's probably why he's full time and I'm only part time. Hey, he, uh, you can he steal anything you want from Steve. <laughs> 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 Is this like a pretty claim privilege right now? I don't know why I trust that so much. You got the cam approval. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody's listening right now. <laughs> They're safe. It's just us friends together. No, um, I, I think Bam Olusenyi was the guy that Utah landed that. Uh, really just solidified this class because he he is a plug-and-play prospect in terms of athleticism and size uh, and just sheer athletic gifts. He can play either one of the tackle spots from day one. He does have a lot of work to do in terms of being technically proficient and learning different schemes and and dealing with different defenses because at the JUCO level, it's like taking an entry-level college course. Now all of a sudden you're at the University of Utah and you're going for your doctorate. The advantage that Bam has is he's a 23-year-old junior, and so he is a little bit more accelerated and a little bit more mature. He also is really, really, really grown a ton in, in the short time that he's been here in America. So that those those are all good, good reasons. I think that he'll be the most impactful. Um, 
but there's always somebody in the class that kind of sneaks up that, that you don't expect. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, uh, Jordan Wilmore is a great prospect. Uh, so is Makai Bernard. I, I think there's still a ton of guys, uh, in, you know, in this program already right now that, uh, are really good. And, and so it's just going to be a while for Utah to kind of integrate those guys. And that's a good thing. You know, I think Jordan might be able to get a, a few, few, uh, uh, a few snaps here and there. Um, you know, Maris Callow might be a guy who kind of surprises some people. Uh, he's so technically sound. He's very strong already. Uh, so he may step up and be able to be a contributor in terms of guard play. You know, and we, we will have two positions that are kind of up for, up for grabs. Uh, we know that either Nick Ford or Orlando Amano will likely be manning one of them, or Orlando could be playing center. Uh, Paul Tawala is another guy, and Paul Miley is a guy who they expected to go serve a mission, but he's really surprised a lot of people. So I think one of those, two of those three will be a guard in the center combination, and that third guard spot is open, so there's a possibility it could be Maris. So those would be my, my two that I kind of point out. And then, you know, another guy that we've already heard some good feedback on is Dante Banton in terms of what he's done in the weight room. So it's always interesting for those workout warriors, how that transitions over to the field. Uh, he does play wide receiver. It is a position I think where there is space to make, make waves. I don't, I don't know that outside of Britton Covey, that any of the wide receivers from last year really locked up their spot going forward for this year. So, so that's my answer. What, let me ask you guys this. Who do you think is going to be most impactive or impactful? Oh, that's a good question. I, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think now, uh, uh, Bamadeli Olaseni. Did I say that right? Nailed it. Boom. You're better than Gunther. Hey, <laughs> hey I'll slide into that spot. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> No, I don't want that spot. But no, I I think I mean you look at him, six eight three thirty. I mean even if you got some technique, you got to sure up. And I mean just that size alone, he's going to be able to just manhandle dudes. So I I, I look at him and uh, and also uh, Sataoloa Lama. So Sataoloa, I, I think that's a guy. That's an interesting name that you bring up because. You know, he was down at the Polynesian Bowl, and Steve got a chance to look at him up close. He is a very, very athletic prospect. Um, he does need to put on a little bit of size, and he won't be at Utah until likely this summer. Uh, but he is naturally strong. We call it field strength. And so if he can put on some, some weight room strength while he's waiting down in California, I, I think he's another prospect that could come in and be a contributor possibly. I he and Maris Talibo are both sneaky good prospects in terms of, of those those positions. Both four star guys, both offensive linemen. Maris is a little bit more experienced, a little more technically sound. Excuse me. Maris is a three star. He should be a four star. He would have been a four star had he not committed to Utah early on and, and been a hundred percent committed. So I think his solid commitment scared off a lot of schools from even offering. Uh had he not um, committed like that, I think he would have gotten more offers. But that was a good one for Utah to secure early on. So, Ooh. anyways, that's I would agree with you, and and also I would just mention that it's taken me six months to learn how to say Sata O Alamea. So, <laughs> I, I we're just gonna have to cut and splice that so we can use it for the next four years. <laughs> yeah, really, really. <laughs> just put it on the soundboard. <laughs> 
In this class, there were five corners that signed. Who out of those five do you think is going to get uh, or have the chance to play immediately? And do do any of them play into the fact that uh, Blackman got moved to safety? Uh, I don't think any of them have a chance to play immediately, if I'm being completely upfront. Uh, I think the most talented of them, without a doubt, is Lecrae Pleasant-Johnson. Uh, Travis McLeod is an absolute speed demon. He is you know, lightning quick, and, and uh, I think that's a very interesting thing. He still has a long way to go with, with uh, technique, but there's no better coach to have in, in that respect than Sharif Shah. Uh, I can't tell you guys how often it was where I was watching practice in the fall and Sharif was the very last coach to leave the practice field. And it was usually, uh, I mean, there were several players that he was usually working with. Um, you know, Trey Strong was a guy who put in a lot of time. Nigel King is a guy that's really, really worked hard to get better. Uh, I, I don't know that there's enough space for a newcomer to come in and contribute, especially if it's not that newcomer isn't named Jalen Johnson. Uh, but if I were to pick two, I think those would be the ones that I would pick. And, and you know, with with Jalen or Julian Blackman moving to safety, it does leave some questions open in terms of who who's available to step into that role. Aaron Lowe, I think, is a guy that that a lot of people have known because he's been so active in recruiting other kids on Twitter, and he was such a firm commitment early on. Uh, and he's another great prospect. And then Drew Rawls is a guy that. The more that I've watched this film, the more I really like what they've seen in him and what, you know, it, there's no argument that, that Morgan Scally knows to, how to evaluate safety prospects. And when I initially saw his film, I wasn't wild about him. Uh, but I do like it the more that I watch it. I think he's a genuine ball hawk, and Utah really hasn't had one of those almost since Robert Johnson, to be honest with you. Uh, and so I think it would be an interesting combination to see somebody like Julian Blackman who has flexibility and coverage and is also a great tackler up at the line of scrimmage and then bring a guy who's maybe a true ball hawk like Drew Rawls in and, and on top of that he's just a tremendous kid and so I have a lot of confidence in his ability to get the work done and, and to be a you know contributor down the road so but again this is Utah secondary and I'm, I mean, I'm not lying here when I say I wish we had a few of those guys up at the U that could come out and play for the Stallions next week. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we gave up a few too many uh, deep balls to the, to the hot shots, and, and there's just a glut of talent up there. You know, I mentioned Nigel King and Trey Strong. We didn't even talk about Josh Nurse or Tiboni Smith. Um, oh, shoot, what's his new last name? I forget. Uh, but, I mean, you know, I, I could go through the whole list, and I'm going to forget somebody and. I don't think we ever really need to worry about uh, Jab Gidry in the in the slot. I don't know that anybody will ever be as good as he is. Uh, and you know, when you're out winning eighty and hundred meter dashes in your spare time, that's that's a pretty good sign for you being in shape for next season too. So, was it a surprise that Bronson Boyd switched to defense? Yes. Um, I so so one thing about Bronson, and and everybody always asks this question: Why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? He is an incredibly gifted athlete. His footwork is tremendous. When you go watch him through workouts, it's clear that there's something special with him. Uh, where he seemed to struggle was picking up the nuances of the offense. And, and that can be a really difficult thing for some players who are so athletically gifted. I had a conversation with somebody the other day talking about quarterbacks. 
And I told them that when I look at quarterbacks, and I'm by no means am I a group guru here, but when I'm looking at quarterbacks, one thing that I'm looking for are guys that have clearly put work in on their technique at the high school level, especially because if there's a guy out there that's put the work in to improve that way, I know that he's not relying entirely on his athletic ability. And I think Bronson may have suffered from that a little bit. And with guys who are so reliant on athletic ability and instincts, sometimes the defensive side of the football is just easier. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he sticks. We, we've kind of seen these experiments before and it's worked well sometimes and it hasn't worked so well at others. Uh, I, I think athletically Bronson absolutely has the gifts to be there though. Brian, you mentioned uh, early on that uh, in this class there was a, a number of guys we just missed on, and, and Utah's approach this year, I mean, they, they went after a, a good number of high-profile kids. And, you know, at Utah, you're never, we're, we're never going to bring bring in all those guys. You're definitely going to get a miss on a lot of them. But do you think that their approach this year, is that something they're going to stick with? Or do you think uh, maybe next year we see a little different plan uh, recruiting-wise? One thing you can always count on with Utah is that they're going to adjust their approach and, and correct things. I think there's some change changeover in staff members. Uh, you know, Troy Taylor is as great an offensive mind as he was, and I, I still respect him as a football coach. He's a very different personality type than than most Whittingham disciples. He's uh, much more, I don't want to say laissez-faire, but uh, relaxed. You know, positivity is his his juice, so to speak. That's where he draws his energy from. And, and he was about creating a culture and, and really just, you know, creativity and, and being a little bit more loose uh, in, in terms of how things were handled. And I think that backfired on him with the Jaden Daniels uh, recruitment. And so I, I would imagine that with the changeover, especially the offensive coordinator position, that what Utah is going to do is they're going to press early and they're going to press hard because the problem that, they're encountering is that they are the best scouting school outside of maybe Wazoo in the entire conference and arguably in the West. And so other teams with more cachet and more brand recognition are going to come in as Utah starts to offer more and more guys early on and try and pull those guys away. And that's another thing that Utah needs to pivot to as well. They need to take that and run with it, use it as their advantage and, you know, hashtag everything like, Hey, we just offered this guy, hashtag Utah bump, hashtag you're welcome Pac-12 schools and do those kinds of things to where they kind of point out to everyone like, Hey, when we offer kids, everybody else comes in. We're basically scouting for everyone else. And you know, I have some friends in the coaching community where it's, it's, it's just a known fact that certain schools will wait to see what programs offer other guys. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, Kyle Whittingham is not one to play games. He is straight up and down. He, he's as vanilla as it comes in terms of personality. And, and they need to find a way to either allow the more creative members of the staff to, to contribute in the recruiting plan in terms of, you know, maybe they do some sucker offers or some things like that. I don't know. Uh, that's that's definitely not the Whittingham way. It would definitely be the Brown Bear way because I do like to play those games. Yeah, and, I, I'm all you know, I'm all on board. Let's just start sabotaging the the Washingtons, the USC's, Oregon's of the world here. Right? Let's <laughs> just go and offer a bunch of two star kids and let USC pick them all up. You know, <laughs> but um, I, I think I think Kyle will make adjustments. He's he's proven that he's not afraid to change. You know. 
we we kind of have to start throwing away all the old narratives about uh, him not being willing to bend on the offense and, and things like that. He, he he's made some changes. He's allowed a lot more freedom. I think he has a coordinator now in Andy Ludwig that fits his style and his his makeup and his personality a lot better, and that'll help and go a long ways. Um, you know, he and Troy were just two different types. You know, it's Troy likes to paint paintings and Kyle Whittingham likes to lift weights and eat iron. And, you know, it's just not surprising that two people with those kinds of different personalities and, and obviously neither of those guys do either of those things, but, you know, Troy Taylor's a guy who likes to go on hikes with his family and, and spend time at home. And I don't think Kyle Whittingham has slept in over four years. So <laughs> it, it's just kind of natural that they're going to, clash heads at times and and i i would expect that utah will be a little bit more firm early on with those high-ranking recruits that they identify but i think this class is another example of how they've gone about and evaluated kids early on and not made a big push for the kids that they think are how do I say this? The kids that they know have a lot of potential, but aren't getting the same amount of recognition. And and so because of that, I think they're going to hide as many of those types of recruits for the very end of the season. The Drew Rawls, Drew Rawls is a, a classic example. You know, uh, Elijah Juarez was a guy that uh, Utah felt great about. They were pretty much the only program to identify him. And, and then ASU swoops in at the end and says, Hey, you know, I, I used to coach you. You should just come here instead. And, that was kind of the whole thing with Elijah was honestly, it felt a little bit like it was a spite offer because that ASU had lost that on a little more and whatever. I, I hate the cactus hoops as much as anything right now. The whole state of Arizona can burn for all I care. And it will in the summertime because it's going to be 120 degrees, but you're talking to me after a loss of the hot shots and I'm bitter. So, <laughs> Hey Brian, one thing um, with this, with this recruiting class and this year is, is the whole transfer portal system that's going in. I know players like Cameron Rising and Manny Bowen uh, aren't taking, they don't take, I guess their star ratings don't factor in the signing class. However, I, I, I think they're, they're great talent that, that came in with Manny Bowen coming in and, and potentially being the starter at linebacker. How do you feel the linebackers losing uh, Barton and Hanson back there. How do you feel that's going to come this season with with Bowen and with Bernard? Uh, I mean, you're returning a guy who who was a capable fill-in when Chase Hanson was both injured and wrongfully ejected against Colorado. Not that I ever harbor uh, you know ill will towards officials or anything like that, <laughs> um, but there's just a lot of depth there, man. I mean, you know, we haven't even touched on Sione Hinley Lund and Devin Lloyd. And Devin Lloyd was a guy who looked like towards the end of the season, he was really starting to get it. And and so I think linebacker is as deep as it's been in a long time. You know, Coach Coach Swan, and I think we talked about this, uh, as I talked to people, the resounding, and I, and I mean to a T, the response about when I ask, what do you think of him? How is he? What do you think of him as a hire? It's been overwhelmingly positive in terms of, man, that's a steal for Utah. He is a tremendous coach. He just never had the right connections or the right guys, you know, to, to move up. And that's hard when you go to a program like Weber State and show loyalty for 10 years, but that's exactly what he did. And because of that, you know, I, I think Kyle Whittingham knew that that was the exact kind of guy 
that he he wanted to have at Utah. And so you combine that with with the fact that they've got a real amount of depth there at linebacker, and and it could be, I mean, it could be. A, have we ever had like a good year? I mean, outside of the last last year of Chaz Walker and and Matt Martinez, and then this year with Cody Barton and Chase Hansen in terms of linebackers. It's, I mean, Johnny Paul really was a hit great prospect, but really, yeah, hit I mean, Johnny. Johnny was great on his own. Well, I guess Johnny and Jared Norris. I, I, so I, I have to be a little bit careful, but they've got four or five guys that are starter caliber in terms of athleticism and ability. And yeah, at this point, I really trust Coach Swan to coach him up. And then, you know, they're uh, another interesting part about it is Utah added a ton of, of walk-ons this year. Uh, and and they're players from in-state for the most part that I really do think have the ability to develop and, 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 and take a role in this team sometimes. So there's a lot of depth of that position. You know, missing out on uh, Awares and Drew Fowler, I think, hurts a little bit. But it's something that you can make up. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Get a little hot seat for you. So ESPN... I hope it's a big, I hope it's a big spot, Cam, because <laughs> I don't sit in the small places, man. This is where you get kicked off the show, right here. <laughs> there we go. So ESPN... They rated all their uh, Power 5 teams for recruiting cycle. They gave Utah a C as a letter grade. Do mm-hmm. you agree with ESPN? No, and, and it's nothing in terms of uh, ESPN just doesn't have a recruiting staff. I, I mean, like, I'll be honest with you guys. They had a few people in-house that were personnel people, and, and they're all working for the Alliance of American Football now. Uh, they have maybe two or three people in their recruiting area. You know, they don't cover recruiting. It's not a target market for them. And so there is conversations, I'm sure. And and they've probably talked to the recruiting experts. And I, when I'm looking for responses, I'm looking for people like Greg Biggins and Brandon Huffman. And, you know, Trent Dilfer is a guy who does more recruiting than a lot of the ESPN guys. And so, I don't agree with it just because I don't believe that they have the full basis of understanding. It's like Stephen Smith evaluating quarterbacks, you know, and saying that Wayne Haskins is a traditionally running quarterback for a guy who has like 10 rushing yards all season. So um, it's not a grade that I I trust because I just, I know that they just don't have a staff to do that. Um, If I were to grade Utah's class, I would probably say it's a B or a B plus when you factor in the transfers, probably a B minus C plus in terms of rankings and everything else. Now, uh, what the difference is is that Utah can always take C plus players and make them into A. Uh, We don't necessarily know that Utah can take those B minus and B players and turn them into A plus players outside of Jalen Johnson. Uh, Solomon Enos is a work in progress still. We're going to have to wait and see with that. You know, Jack Tuttle didn't, last more than what three months up there so you know that that kind of stuff for for a program that's traditionally blue collar and has really made its way on being a developmental program it'll be interesting to see if getting higher caliber athletes really does transfer over to more success but i think they're they're elite at targeting the kind of kids that they know they can identify and 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 develop and bring in and and the real underrated aspect of this class is that as you talk to these young men, they are all tremendous individuals. I I can't recall talking to so many high school kids that were so well-spoken as Drew Rawls and Maris Talibo and Luke Felix Fulalo, 
these are all guys that Utah fans are just going to absolutely embrace because they are so well-spoken. They, they are very well-connected in their thoughts. They, they speak very properly and, and very politely. I think Maris Tylerwell has probably thanked me, I'm not kidding, maybe 50 times, and we've talked three three times on the phone. So, you know, he's just very respectful and, and, and that's very indicative of his class. And so as you kind of go through those things, we don't really grade that stuff, but it, it matters in terms of culture and it matters in terms of chemistry. Now, it doesn't do you a bit of good if, if a very polite young man can't catch a football or make a tackle. And, and that's where Utah really does a great job is they find guys that can do those things. So, uh, not my favorite rating system. You know, I, I, I'm sure there are plenty of other people out there. And, and she's not, this has been such a long-winded answer. Um, she's not the worst grade, but I think it's a much better class than average. I mean, it's one of the highest rated classes for the 24-7 composite. So, so, yeah. so, so basically what you're saying is ESPN's kind of like the ASU of college recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> if I could give EST recruiting two middle fingers like I do ASU, then I would. Just, I just want to tell them that they're number one twice. That's it. That's all I want to do. I like it. Hey, Brian, thanks so much for, for jumping on. I do have to give a shout out. The Stallions, they didn't get it done on Sunday night, but that was, it was fun. I'm looking forward. It is. It is. It's I'm a fun brand of football. It is, and it's, you know, I think a lot of the cool things about it, the tempo and everything like that are, are really fun. The rule changes are enough to where it's a, a very different game in terms of how coaches scheme it and whatnot. Uh, that was absolutely not the team's best effort. I think three turnovers for a professional football team is, is inexcusable, and, and they know that. And, you know, there were some, some tough injury situations. Kalen Clay broke his pinky last week and had to have surgery, and, and so pressing, you know, DeMornay personnel into – return duty like that, you know, that, that caused him a little bit of heartache and, you know, Josh Woodrum going down at halftime, even though we do have capable backups with Matt Linehan and Austin Allen, you know, BJ Daniels is also hurt. So it's, those are things that you just have to overcome as a football team. And, and, you know, I know these guys well enough to know that they, they don't want to hang their hats on that kind of effort. They're going to work hard and get back to it. And luckily we're not going to be playing the, uh, the best team in the conference this weekend when we play Birmingham. So, Great game. I had fun watching it with my five-year-old. It's not gimmicky at all. It's it's real football. I, I really liked it. I was going to say, the rule changes are, are the kind of rule changes where as you watch the game, they just make a ton of sense. Exactly. And, all right. and, and I, I like the fact that uh, they can go hit the quarterback and flags don't fly. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only person who doesn't like that is Mike Bercovici. Yeah, he got, he got, he got drilled. The, 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 he also got a lot of screen time too. So the, the the last time he got hit that hard, he's playing in Rice Cycle Stadium. <laughs> there we go, Brian. Thanks for coming on. Uh, where can people find you on social media and online? Hiding in the corner until the Stallions win another game. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> At Brownberry SLC, um, I, I try to be interactive on there. If I disappear for a few days. Don't worry, I'm, I'm not dead. I'm just trying to sell more season tickets. Um, you know, it, it's been it's been a fun transition, and I think spring football has kind of taken us all a little bit uh, by surprise with how how successful it is and, and whatnot. But you can find me at Bamber SLC on Twitter. Uh, I still do contribute on the boards at Utone.com, and then uh, you know, just I'm 
floating around town. You just can't miss me. I'm like six four three three fifty. So love it, love it, Brian. Thanks so much, buddy. Have a good night. Hey, appreciate it, fellas. You have a good time, and uh, I miss you guys. Thanks, Brian. And, and Thank the waterfall. You. I miss the waterfall a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy. All right, All right bye. Bye. Great conversation with Brian. We always appreciate uh, the guys over at Ute Zone, Dan, Steve, Brian, Michelle, hopping on and kind of giving us their takes um, on the Utes and and recruiting. One thing I thought was really interesting, uh, Ryan, that you asked him was about the whole Bronson-Boyd move. Because we talked about that right before we brought him on. So it was really interesting to get his perspective on kind of those movements on the defense. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and check out Ute Zone. They do a great job uh, with the Utes and especially with recruiting. Uh, they're one of the best in the biz uh, in the state with that. So as we kind of wrap up uh, a football talk with signing day, what are your guys' overall thoughts on how everything went for the for the team? I like the class. You know, there's there's definitely a lot of uh, pessimism in regards to all the swing and misses that uh, that Utah was experiencing throughout this process. A number of in-state big-time players who went elsewhere, you know, from surrounding states that uh, Utah just kept coming up short on. And so I think that kind of put a negative vibe on this class in general. But if you look at it, it's one per star per player, one of the, the third best class that Utah's ever signed. And and it's got some great talent, and I think great depth overall. So I I think it's a great class, and you're going to see some guys that have instant impacts, some guys just like every year that maybe weren't highly recruited, and all of a sudden they come out, and the the Brent Keithies of the world who prove that they can play from day one, and 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 they get that opportunity and and run with it. So. But I'm excited for spring ball because I think we're going to start. We're going to see some of these guys. We're going to see some of the changes, uh, position changes that we've talked about. Um, and spring ball is right around the corner, fellas. We all know knew going into this that it wasn't a huge class. There wasn't. There weren't a lot of uh, openings because there weren't too many seniors this past season. So, but but, but based off of just the, the sheer small numbers, the recruiting class, in, in my estimation, was good. And, you know, and I, I kind of tend to agree with, with Brian. I think ESPN's analysis of grading with a C is is too low. It's um, it's not paying attention. It, it really isn't. Uh, it, when you got guys in there, and, and Cameron, you alluded to this either. You got Cam Rising, Manny Bowen, uh, the Lennon kid out of Australia. None of these guys have star ratings because either the transfer portal or coming from out of the country they're they're not graded so if if you if those guys had stars these grades would be significantly higher so I, overall well, really pleased and you're also looking at rms i mean uh, semesi is getting off a two-year mission was a huge recruit what three years ago uh, two years ago when uh, it basically came down to us in usc california defensive end and I think, you know, he's going to be an absolute stud. He's in this class. So you're getting some good RMs from previous classes. Overall, I think it's I think it's going to be really good. At the end of the day, it's still a swing and a big fat miss that you didn't get a quarterback in this class outside of a transfer. Um, I think that was huge. Uh, we've, we've talked about it. I think Troy Taylor kind of bundled this quarterback recruiting class with 
putting all of his eggs in in the Jaden uh, Daniels uh, basket, and that basket went to Tempe. So uh, big big miss there, and and that's something that Brian alluded to that the staff's going to learn from, and they're they're going to adjust and. And now we got Ludwig kind of making those shots. Ludwig's recruited a lot of quarterbacks in his day. He knows the process, and you're already seeing you're already seeing for next year's class a lot of a lot of offers are being sent out already for for quarterbacks instead of being so uh, few and far between like Troy did. So things are going to change, but the future's bright. And guess what? Football's football's around the corner. So I'm excited. If you look at the rankings, Utah finished seventh in the Pac-12 as far as the star rankings. Uh, going off the 24-7 sports, 43rd in the country. It, it's not bad, right? What you said, it's got third highest class that they've had. Uh, and what Brian even talked about it, they have to get Utah guys. That's where Kyle makes his money. That's where he breads his butters, getting those guys that are overlooked a little bit, but can be taught and, and performed at a high level. And, and I and I would agree with that. But let's let's talk about that for a minute, because... The Utah guy is, right, the under-recruited guy that develops and turns into a star. Or, if not a star, a really productive player. Okay, at some point, Utah's got to kind of still take a notch up from that. You've, you've got And I think they are, though. Oh, and I think they are, too. But but we're not on the same level as a Washington. No, and, and or a USC or an Oregon. Or an Oregon, exactly. And, and, I, think that, and I think Brian kind of hit that is Utah knows who they are. They don't try to be something they're not, like a team just south of here. Please elaborate. <laughs> and we don't need to get into it. <laughs> but Utah knows who they are, and they recruit for their system. So, so yeah, works. I agree. Utah knows who they are, right? They know how to develop, or they know how to, to find talent. They know how to go and look for the under-recruited guy, because you're seeing that. They're going, and they're going and they're putting out offers on kids, and... The next day, Oregon's offering that kid, and Washington and Arizona State, they're all following the Utah. And Washington know who Utah is now, too. And yeah, they, they know who we are, and they're almost using it against us mm-hmm. because they know, look, Utah finds kids that we wouldn't have found on our own. All we have to do is let Utah go recruit this kid for a whole year, build a great relationship, and we can come in in the 11th hour with zero prior history with this kid because and because we're a bigger school we can get him on a visit and we can get him to commit it almost happened with jordan wilmore it happened with daniels you know it's happened with other guys and utah's been but, able to hold on to some of those i think guys. that's where they're changing it though because what you said the wilmore the enos of last year the bam of this year uh, and, and I think and you're right. You're never. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm gonna call. Oh, I'm gonna course. call spade a spade. Utah's not gonna out recruit Washington, Oregon, or USC. I, I, okay. Yes, they're finding the Utah guys, the guys that the diamonds in the rough. But I think those diamonds are a lot better than they were a few years ago. They are. They are. But, so, but can you get the diamonds? That's what I'm saying. Is because because of these other guys are coming in and they're bigger and they offer quickly and boom. Which is true. But if you get if. If guys like Wilmore and Bam, whatever his name is, Bam Bam Tunican and Enos, if all three of those guys who are highly recruited athletes that stuck with Utah, if they can grow and produce and become high caliber athletes that can move on to the next level, that changes it. Because then other guys of that caliber look at it and go, 
well, if those guys went to Utah and got to the NFL, so can I. I, I, I agree, but I almost disagree too. So I'm on the fence. You're familiar with that. <laughs> because we've had those guys. We've had the Eric Weddles. We've had the Sean Smith, Steve Smith, Alex Smith. Oh, we've had a lot of Smiths. And, and I wouldn't say those guys have, have changed things for us and opened the door in recruiting. I think, I think what changed recruiting for Washington is they went to the college football playoff. Then they played in the Rose Bowl two years later. You, we've got to get it done on the field, I think, before we're going to get it done on recruiting. Because Kyle is not going out and he's not hiring ace recruiters. He's not. He's finding guys that fit his mold that he can trust, and that can coach. And hopefully, be a pretty good recruiter. And we've got some, we've got some good recruiters on this class, or in, the, in this coaching staff, but I'm not sure it compares to what other programs have on their staffs. And so, if you don't have those ace recruiters, you've got to get it done on the field. I think you've got it. You've got to win this dang thing. You've got to go play in the Rose Bowl. You've got to freaking win the Rose Bowl. And heck, make a college football playoff. And I know that is lofty expectations, and that is extremely difficult. But I think that's, in today's day and age, I think that's the only way you change it. You've, you've got to, kids want that big time, they want the big name, but they want, they want a school that knows they can get to the big time. Playing in Vegas Bowls and whatever the heck, Pac-12 Bowls that we've got, a lot of times is not going to whet some kid's appetite. So, I mean, this isn't breaking news, but that's just my opinion. You got you, you got to get it done on the field before you start seeing the constant inflow of four-star guys. So that'll do it for our discussion um, on football up to this point. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Hit us up on Twitter at Utah Man Podcast. Two-point game. Here comes Fairfield. Cedric into the front court. Four seconds, three seconds. Back to Van Dyke. Deep three up. And good! It's good! Can you believe that? They win it at the buzzer. Oh, my goodness. Utah wins it at the buzzer. They beat the Bruins. Oh, my goodness. Parker Van Dyke plays the hero in Westwood. Oh, my goodness. I might I might get kicked off press row for that one. I got a little excited. Soto's little giddy schoolgirl there. Soto sounds like there's a French tickler underneath press row. <laughs> that was awesome. What's a French tickler? <laughs> oh, he was he was giggling with the best of them. That was oh. awesome. What a moment and I missed it live. <laughs> yeah, Scott was uh at the behest of his wife out <laughs> grilling chicken. <laughs> 6 minutes to go. We're down 22 points and I'm thinking, all right. My wife was kept asking me, kept asking me, so I figure, oh, I'll, I'll go I'll go start grilling some uh, grilling the chicken here. I come come back in. We're down six with thirty seconds to go, and I had to run back out. And I'm out there, and all of a sudden, my wife comes up a few minutes later to tell me that we had won, and I didn't believe her. I had to I go I had to go check Twitter. <laughs> that was a great comeback for the Utes. Down twenty two at one point come back, hit the three with Parker Van Dyke right at the buzzer. They sweep the Southern California schools. 
after getting swept at home against the Oregon schools, this team is completely up and down. It is. And, Larry, and it's road versus home. And Larry has said this team is streaky. So that's their kind of their MO. They need to be and a little streaky at home. It's crazy because, and the, and the race right now in the Pac-12 is so close, that one week after two games, they're 8th, 7th, and then they win two games, and now they're back up tight for second. It's a roller coaster of a season, but it it's fun. These these Utes are fun to watch. I yeah, like I mean, offensively, they're they have the best offensive efficiency in the in the conference at the moment. When was the last time a Utah team was that good offensively? And it's really coming from the three point line, which we we talked about in the last podcast. Is you know we just don't have that inside presence that we've had in years past, and so we're just launching all day long from the three point line and. Luckily, we're we're shooting a pretty good percentage still. What a game, though! What an yeah, absolute game! It I was. unbelievable. It, and I felt where they're lacking is really on the defensive end of the floor. And if you, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but UCLA shot ex, an extremely high percentage. And when you look at if you look at this, just the box score, there's no way UCLA should should have lost that game. No. I mean, it came down to Utah making some clutch baskets when they had to, but some pretty poor foul shooting is essentially what lost them that game down the stretch. Well, I mean, Utah scored 15 points in 55 seconds. 60, 61 points in the second half, something like yeah. that. I mean, that's just that's <laughs> was, unreal. Yeah, they got hot there at the end, and... I mean, credit. They were making tough layups, getting offensive boards, putbacks... Some clutch threes from Gotch from, and then obviously Parker Van Dyke was huge in the second half, where all of his points came from. But uh, you know, I, I've I'll fully admit I have been a Parker Van Dyke wet blanket for most of his career. You know, I I think we we kind of all expected he was he was recruited here to be a shooter, and he just has not produced you know in, in, consistently consistently, and but. Credit to him. He he just kept fighting and he's just kept working and he's ha- he's having a really good senior season, and to have that type of moment where uh, he can, I mean, he was trending on Twitter. He's the number one play on Sports Center's top ten. I mean, good for him. Good I mean, for him. Yeah, exactly. Way, way to stick to it and work it and and work hard and then get to that. I mean, it paid off. I mean, who knows where they're going to end up? It's a long road to. For them to even probably make the tournament still, but but still, uh, he's put in a lot of work and it's and it's paid off. For well, him. Uh, so our dad uh, goes to the same church as uh, Parker Van Dyke, and as Parker walked in yesterday, he got a standing ovation. Seriously, seriously, that's pretty cool. So <laughs> I, awesome. I I think uh, that's got to be a pretty cool moment for him. Just people in the community are just you know pretty. Saw what he did, and it's a pretty cool moment for him, and huge for the team because it keeps him in contention for that top four seed, which gives him a, a, the first round bye in the or in the in the Pac twelve tournament. But man, that's a wide open tournament. I, I I still don't have you know great confidence that we can go and win this thing. But but you, the thing is, this team is when they're hot, they're hot. Yeah, it, but when they're cold, they're cold. And so if they can get hot in Las Vegas, well, they. They they have the potential to run the table. Well, and that's why they need that first round bye because it, it'd be hard to get hot for four straight nights yeah. in a row. 
when you rely that much on the three, you're you're probably not gonna shoot at lights out four straight nights. So you got to get that by and then hope that you can you can get a, get a hot streak going. But there's, I mean, anybody can beat anybody in this conference right now. So, heck, I mean, Colorado could win this dang thing when all is said and done. You you never know. So, but but they're trending in the right direction. You know, I think the hot seat has gotten a little cooler for uh, for Larry, um, which which he was needing because he was taking a lot of heat there. But uh, they're they're going in the right direction. But at the end of the day, you want to have those cool moments. But you want them in March. Yeah. Unfortunately, maybe watching in March. Not to take away from the comeback and and Parker Van Dyke's game winning shot, but kind of one of the the storylines that's kind of sunk to the bottom is is uh, Moses Brown being suspended for the game and then brought in at the last <laughs> last, the last few play. minutes of the game to <laughs> that... just to s- secure the victory that. <laughs> Backfired. That is uh, desperation from uh, that uh, UCLA coach. He he did not want to blow it, and I mean that was unthinkable to give up that type of lead in that short of time. So, but yeah, way to stick to your guns there, Murray. So this week Utah goes up against Arizona and Arizona State at home. Can they win these two games? I'm going to answer that question, but I got to go back. Would feel like I'm. Leave. I'm missing a grand opportunity to whine about gray uniforms. <laughs> you knew it was coming. Come on, seriously, th- that shot is gonna be is gonna be on replay for generations to come. And we're in freaking gray uniforms. And we're probably in the best looking uniforms they have. Oh heaven! I love the gray. I love the curse of Utah. Like I love a, the stripes down the side. It's, it's for a, good a gray look. uniform. It's actually good. Good looking. Exactly for a gray uniform. Now I get it. It's I came around a little bit. If you win in a gray uniform like that, it softens my hatred. <laughs> but uh, oh, I just uh, that was pretty unfortunate. Between you and the gray and Cameron the Beehive, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so Arizona, Arizona State, can Utah beat the Arizona schools at home? They're, well, I don't know if they can, but they need they need to to stay in this race. Um, obviously, they beat uh, ASU down there and then lost a close one to Arizona. So they're uh, they're very capable of doing it, but uh, they've got to focus at home like they've been focusing on the road. Well, Arizona's lost three straight. I mean, they're they're not playing all that well. So if if you lose to them at home, that's that's a blow. I mean, just because they they have Arizona across their chest does not mean you know this some power program anymore. They're 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 not that great this year. This that's a must win. I think the one that's going to be questionable is going to be ASU. I mean, they just beat Washington, who was undefeated. They in ran conference. out of the gym, but yeah. then two days before, they they lost to Washington State. Well, Washington and, State put a beat down on both the Arizona schools. And, uh, Bobby Hurley had to call out the student section and blame them for the loss. Yeah, well, Bobby, Gotta Bobby Hurley. Somewhere. Now it's it, it's it's important and it it'll be huge if if Utah can win these next two at home against both Arizona schools, then we're in really good shape to secure a top four seed uh, for the for the tournament. But realistically, I I would expect more of a split. I think we win one, we lose one. Um, but hopeful, hopeful if we can get two, two out of this. That'll be huge if we can do that. These young guys are starting to come together, but it's that consistency at home that they just have not had. So 
for whatever reason, they're playing a lot better basketball on the road. So maybe if just nobody shows up, they'll feel a lot more comfortable. What's the over-under on a Bobby Hurley meltdown? I And, and that's the thing. You you almost need to pack the ha- the Huntsman just to go get your entertainment value of watching <laughs> Bobby Hurley coach a game. He's a He's a loose cannon. He is. He's like Rich Rod on the basketball court. Oh, he is, dude. He. What is up with Arizona hiring? Just the state of Arizona just hires weirdos. <laughs> like Brian said, let's burn the state down. <laughs> it would be a perfect weekend if Sean Miller gets arrested by the FBI <laughs> during the game. During the game. <laughs> I mean, they just call a timeout, official timeout, guys in those those. Blue windbreakers with yellow FBI across the chest come out, pull him out of the huddle, and take him back through the tunnel. That would be worthwhile. I'd put that on our highlight where Utah highlight reel if that happened. And then, and then the next couple days later, you get to watch Bobby Hurley freak out. Come on, fans, pack the hunty. Put me in marketing. <laughs> All right, so I'll do it on this episode. Ryan, buckle up. <laughs> Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? You find me at Uteman underscore forever. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can always find us at our home at UtahManPodcast.com. And we're always on your favorite podcatcher, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We are always there. And hopefully Utah gets some much-needed wins against the Arizona schools this week. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes will be till I die. Kayak. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. What else can we throw out there? <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Bowler. Did you bring hey, your sidekick Harper? At least it's not Harpering. At least it's not a train wreck. <laughs> I much prefer... It's not like... Nobody's listening anyways. I much prefer Thurl Bailey when they do the... No, that... Mike Mike Smith? That's that the guy's name? Yeah. He's good. He's he's way yeah, better he's than good. all of them. You could get rid of that whole cast of characters and just bring that dude in. Maybe that's their plan. Anyways, side note. Welcome, <laughs> welcome you fans. Welcome Let's talk on some... into the Utah Jazz <laughs> post. <laughs>